none bigger than today being slow down move over day or talking with rob flood of ticat auto and towing uh, rob thanks for joining us how are you today Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, weighing in on this uh, topic and some insight on it. Uh, first of all, uh, just at the, the forefront, slow down, move over day. Great concept. Uh, I, I would imagine this is a big day and means a lot to the towing companies. It, it certainly does. And not just for the towing, I think it's everybody that has to be on the road. And that's even the public. Let's say you're taking a trip with your family and you have to pull over to the side of the road to, to do something. And uh, there's uh, lots of room when you have like a four-lane highway. we got two lanes going one way, two lanes going the other way. People could just take an extra few minutes to move over. Or even on uh, another, uh, when you have a two-lane highway, just say, you know, slow it down. You're only going to be a few seconds. You know, like people wait at Tim Hortons uh, lineup for a while for a coffee, but they just can't take a few seconds to move over. So, yeah, it's very important for police, firefighter, ambulances, construction workers, as same as with us tow truck uh, people as well. And along those lines, like, is that the biggest frustration with this topic, Rob? We're going to get into what you're seeing as an industry and, and some of the numbers and everything like that. But you brought up a great point. And I find myself, whether no matter what the traffic situation is, anytime I get a little bit frustrated, I'm like, in reality, this is maybe four seconds, maybe 12 seconds. Like, it's not a long time that we lose patience with. Absolutely. I totally agree. I mean, people sitting at a red light lose, lose their, their mind sometimes. So absolutely. <laughs> definitely, definitely being on the side of the road. Yeah. It, it definitely has its, its moments there where people, uh, you know, I'm just trying to do a job. I'm not out there to bake a cake and put some ice on it. I have a job to do and I can't move a 5,000 pound vehicle out of the way, but I need to get in there, do my job. And when you're worried about somebody that's maybe, I don't know, maybe distracted driver or maybe they're having a bit of a bad day or something like that, they're just not concentrating hundred percent how close they are for us uh, being on the road. Yeah, indeed. So let's get into some of the numbers. Um, what are you seeing safety-wise for tow truck drivers? And and I know that we've seen deaths uh, yearly around uh, tow truck drivers being on the side of the road, highways, or in the city trying to help people, injuries, uh, even something like a, a clipped mirror that obviously is too close for a vehicle to be passing a tow truck driver. What are some of the numbers and, and how, how have we done in the past couple of years with this topic? There, there has been um, the, the exact numbers. I, I can't get you exactly, but I know from uh, from other towing companies as well too. Yes, there has been some very close calls. Uh, that uh, even myself as well too. I have been clipped by a mirror, and in a snowstorm, there was somebody that lost control, and I thought we were going to be hitting the hitting the rhubarb pretty good, and unfortunately, uh, they they missed us. But uh, yeah, it throws a really uh, bad sinking feeling in in yourself. Um, the situation, it has helped. There was a law passed, I think it was three or four years ago in January, that um, that it's now uh, mandatory. You see flashing lights do move over. And uh, there has been, there is some great people that actually do slow down and move over. And other ones, uh, sometimes I don't know what they're thinking or they don't care or it just doesn't seem to respond to them unless you're on the highway. We've had customers ourselves that are waiting for us to show up there to assist them. And they say, how do you do this? Uh, I had a truck go by me, my whole vehicle kind of shook, you know, well, yeah, it's true. It, it's, a, it's a little scary at times, but if people just do their part for anybody, just to slow it down, uh, some places it's 30 at 60 kilometers an hour and just give some more space. I mean, I mean, you're supposed to move over a full lane. Maybe let's just try baby steps. A half a lane would even be nice just to give somebody a little peace of mind. Yeah, and I even hate hearing that, Rob. Like, I, I think a full lane should be what is is um, uh, necessary and, and, and should be the protocol. But I also, when you say half lane, like, that's an improvement to what you're seeing as a tow truck driver, right? Even that would help. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm not a skinny person, so I need a little more room there. But you've got a vehicle that's sitting on the, on the shoulder. Some of our shoulders are not that wide. 
and uh, we have to be maybe two or three feet away from the vehicle as well too. So that little extra insurance, the vehicle's moving over. Um, we have a law as well too now that we have, we're allowed to have for tow trucks uh, flashing uh, red lights, only two in the back or two in the front. They have to be off when we're towing. But uh, that, that's helping some people slow down. I know that Dr. Hook has a, uh, a little bit of a, uh, a, a lit up pylon that uh, flashes red. And that's supposed to be a bit deterrent now. They noticed some, uh, some help on the highways now that people are slowing down. But there's still the odd one that, ah, it's a tow truck, I don't care. Or it's a construction worker, or it's this and that. Um, there is a fine that's out there that if they, they do get caught, it's, it's still small. And I know that, unfortunately, it's a bad thing to say that people only seem to respect things when it's really money out of their pocket. I think the fine's only 290 bucks, and I think two points. I'm not exactly sure about that, but it's, it's, not, it's, uh, it's definitely not steep enough or high enough of that chance if they did take a life or actually injure somebody. I mean, it, you know, life is too precious to begin with. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the regret you live with your whole life. And I'll be honest with you, Rob, can you share the, the story when you got clipped by Amir? Because I think that's something that um, could maybe even help our listeners realize, you know, that that's a, a horrible story itself. Uh, what happened? Um, I was uh, on Route 90 picking up a, uh, a vehicle and uh, I should have been paying attention. Of course, you just kind of get in the zone. You do it so often. I'm hooking up a vehicle. I come to the driver's side to hook up my L arms to the receiver, and I just kind of get to get up, and I'm slammed to the ground like like a force I've never had before. The wind's knocked out of me. I'm rolling around trying to say what the heck just happened. A guy comes up to me and he says, "Are you okay?" And I'm trying to speak, and I can't really speak because I got my marbles rocked. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, he disappears, and it felt like hours, but it wasn't. It was just a few minutes. The lady says, "Are you okay?" She says, "Helps on the way." And I don't know what happened. And she says, you just got hit by a truck. And that's a funny saying because, yeah, I did get hit by a truck. So the gentleman went and chased the other person uh, down the road. And that person went down Route 90 over the perimeter going down Number 7 Highway North. Um, the guy couldn't catch him. The guy was doing 160, and that guy was long gone. So um, anyways, the, uh, the paramedics show up and say, okay, and stuff like that. I didn't have any broken bones, but I had a bruise of a Ford F-150 mirror in my back for a few weeks after but it uh, hit you right in the back like not right on the, the arm yeah right in the back shoulder blade it was that close so i was on the shoulder i might maybe i was a foot onto the piece of pavement and that's how close that that truck got to me that the the uh the mirror clipped my uh, shoulder blade into my back and uh, left an imprint a bruise it was it was funny because it looked like the the arm and the round piece of the mirror uh, uh, bruise that's how hard it hit me and it uh yeah definitely uh Definitely uh, smarted, that's for sure. Oh, Rob, I mean, if that's not a wake-up call for everybody listening to just slow down and pay more attention and to get over, um, I, I don't know what is. And and I appreciate you sharing that story. I, I, I thought a mirror clipped your arm and you had a bruise. I didn't know it affected you that much. but um, And then the danger of you being on the ground and not having all your senses, right? No, it was, it was the most scariest thing I've ever been through uh, because I didn't know what happened. Usually you don't want any accident to happen to anybody or yourself. But I mean, if you see something coming, you could kind of prepare it. I had no clue. All I know is that my, I'm, I was standing up, I was doing my job. And next thing I'm on the ground and I feel this awesome pain that, that I, I just don't know what happened because I know it wasn't the door to open because the customer's not there. It's not me. Like, so yeah, a lot went through my mind as that happened. And then when those people are coming to me and then I'm, I'm trying to, what, what are they doing here? Like there was nobody around me. Why is there people around me now? So yeah, it definitely uh, was a few uh, 
a terrifying experience for a few minutes, that's for sure. Yeah, and I'm sorry to make you relive that, and I appreciate you sharing it because I just think it hammers home what could happen in the blink of an eye around this. Right before we let you go, Rob, what should people keep in mind then when on the side of the road? Like we have a text here that says, I don't know if your listeners know, Jim, but if your vehicle is on Jacksville on the road, it won't be covered if someone hits it. I don't know if that's true, is it? You know what? Um, I'm not 100% sure. I know that there's there's a lot of uh, rules out there, and there's going to be more and more of it. What's what's covered, what's not covered, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, for people being on the side of the road, uh, I definitely, if you can move over as far as you can, before you get out of your vehicle, always look in your mirror um, and look backwards to see if there's, uh, there's any vehicles coming. If you have to be out, uh, maybe uh, out of the vehicle, uh, you know, we try not to be in the ditch or whatever like that, um, you try to make sure your wheels are turned to the right. So if somebody does plow into the vehicle, it's going to be put into the ditch and not into somebody else. And then get away from your vehicle uh, because there has been times that uh, we've had a few vehicles that we go to pick up and uh, the customer's waiting. They have been clipped in the back, sent the vehicle to the ditch. So now it's not a simple spare tire change. It's now we have to deal with auto pack and tow it to the compound and let them, uh, they're out of vehicle now, but at least they weren't injured. So the biggest thing is for people if they see something, it doesn't matter if it's a tow truck or uh, ambulance, firefighter, police, uh, construction worker. Just slow it down. There's a lane. Move over. Move over as best you can. If there's somebody the car beside you and they have the excuse, no, I can't. Yes, you can. Slow down a little more. Let that car pass. Move over. Move over. And uh, just go around us and uh, then continue on your, your great day. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's the best point you make is that you don't have to move over at your pace. You can actually come to a stop and wait. 10 seconds, 20 seconds and move over. Yeah. And there's been some people that do that and I always give them a wave and a little tap to my heart. Thank you. Because uh, that means a lot when somebody's doing that because it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a heck of a job to do. I don't mind doing my job. I love helping people. I love doing the towing part. It's the people around you that make it uncomfortable sometimes. Not everybody. Like there's always a bad apple in every bunch. It doesn't mean that everybody's the same, but it's sure nice when people do listen to some rules and stuff and the road etiquette that's out there. It's really awesome. Well, Rob, this has been great. I really appreciate you sharing not only your story, but your time and your tips. How can people reach out to Ticat Auto and Towing if they need something? They can Google us at Ticat Auto uh, and Transport, uh, or they can give us a call at 204-485-0239. And I really appreciate you taking the time to to try to educate people. I think that's the best the best remedy. We're doing it together, Rob. So thank you, awesome. and thanks, Ticat uh, Auto, and all the best to you on this slow down, move over day, and stay safe, everyone. Thanks, Rob. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Right now, very happy to welcome into the program Kenny Boyce, Manager of Film and Special Events for the City of Winnipeg. Kenny, how are you besides very busy man? You're a very busy man, sir. Life is good. Life is busy. Thank you for having me on today. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to the conversation. Um, we'll just get started with it. What is the film industry like in Winnipeg right now? So, you know, I think we've been very lucky, very blessed to have hardworking crews and the ease and ability for people to come to Winnipeg or Canadians that uh, want to tell their stories in Winnipeg. And this year is, again, another boomer year. We saw over, you know, $300 million in productions last year. We're probably going to do a million dollars a day this year. Uh, that's to the hardworking crews 
to the work of you know my our partners uh, like Manitoba Film and Music and On Screen Manitoba, NSI, all the labor unions, trying to attract film here and try to create you know a creative industry where young people want to stay and and work in such a fun job. Yeah, indeed. Uh, are those high numbers, Kenny? I, I know we normally we'd ask you like, what are we comparing this to? But yeah. given the given the pandemic, it's hard to look back over the past couple of years. You know, and the and government was responsible and supportive of the industry and allowed us to continue. Uh, you know, in 1999, we did six million dollars to be doing uh, for the year, and to be doing a million dollars a day now is incredible, right? So, be it these large visiting productions that we have, or the everyday so important. And Hallmark films that everyone adores. Uh, neighborhoods and businesses open up their arms to allow film to come in. And uh, while sometimes it's disruptive, uh, it has great economic spinoff to the community, to the business community, and to the people it employs. 99 was $6 million in the year, and now it's a million dollars a day? A million dollars a day, yeah. It's incredible wow. who, you know, and I get calls all the time because people see, you know, they see the trucks in the community in the different neighborhoods. Uh, some neighborhoods we film more, as an example. The sound stages, we have a Big Sky, which is fully operational now with three sound stages. Uh, uh, Julia Hagopian uh, is opening a Jet Studios in Niverville, Manitoba, which is going to be a really exciting project for that city. Uh, the direct flights from uh, WestJet to support the industry going to and from Los Angeles. That has been, you know, when you factor in that with a fantastic tax credit, to, as I said, talented crews, locations that are still intact from the 30s, 40s, and 50s, all those things come into the mix that people want to come here and return, return coming here to make even more films. Yeah, and along those lines, Kenny, I was going to ask you, is it too soon to see the ramifications of that direct flight or not, or do we need to wait a full year? Or it, I can tell you by, you know, it's not only the actors who, you know, do have sometimes charm lives, but they're also, you know, super famous and important people that are going from project to project. But it's the producers and the directors that come in and want to, you know, have a direct flight here within a few hours and land and get to work the same business day or go home on the weekends and visit their families. So I think, you know, that's kind of important. It makes a difference that you're not flying from Winnipeg to Vancouver to Los Angeles or going Winnipeg, Minneapolis, Los Angeles. It cuts the time and it makes it more attractive for sure. I, I would I'll be honest with you. I'd roll my eyes if I didn't just go to uh, California on last August with my family and having yeah. to spend three and a half hours both ways in Calgary. And, and I literally, because it was in August and I heard this announcement just prior to leaving, uh, start was starting in October and I was just sitting in the Calgary airport and, you know, no big deal, but essentially thinking if I got off work at four and wanted to be back home with my family by eight or nine at night, this just wouldn't happen. I, I agree with you, Jim. It's just, you know, it's just that more ease and access to those direct flights that helps along the way. We've yeah. had so many great projects here, and we have so many uh, projects. You know, the, the film with Woody Harrelson, um, Cheech Marin was in that film. It was directed by the, the Farrelly Brothers Champions. That's coming out in the box office, right? It's been fabulous. Yeah. Uh, and it's done very, very well. Ordinary Angels, which was shot here with Hilary Swank. Um, is uh, coming out as well. And we just had uh, Andrew Kevin Walker in town. He's the one that wrote the, the film Seven. Uh, and he script shopped, uh, he's a script doctor, they call him. He did the movie Seven. He just did the film Cycle Killer, which was with Malcolm McDowell, who's been here for several times, along with, uh, it was directed by Gavin Pallone. Gavin did Dog's Purpose and Dog's Journey. And he actually was involved in the Seinfeld episodes and Curb My Enthusiasm. Wow. So, I know, yeah, yeah. So we have um, Acting Good as a returning TV series with APTN. 
which is Tina Keeper and Gabriel Daniels and Paul Rabkulis. Sorry, I always say his name wrong. Forgive me. Um, so that's returning. Garbage Hill, which is a new uh, comedy series that's going around uh, this year, uh, which uh, we'll be filming very soon as well. So Hallmark's been here. You know, I think we probably did five Hallmark films already, uh, which is kind of cool. And then uh, Julie Jett, Inc. also has uh, the Elizabeth Thomas stories being uh, filmed here. So Kenny, I like I'm so naive with this, and I and I had um, we had Kyle Irving on about two months ago, and I was asking yeah. like, is there is there ever been a better time to be an actor or a writer or anything because of all the streaming services, all the shows, all the channels, and all that? And he said, well, being an actor is still grueling. Like even if you get something for two months, you're already thinking about what's next. Um, but realistically, I'm wondering from our end and, and from your end in the city with so many shows and so many streaming services and film companies still doing what they do, is there ever been a better time for the industry here in Winnipeg? It is, you know, Kyle, Kyle is a very gifted producer, right? Like he, people love to work with Kyle. He's got a great, uh, business relationship with the community here and always attracts projects being the, being Canadian or visiting productions. So when you do good work, people kind of be the path to your way. The, the the challenges this year are the Screen Actors uh, strike that's, uh, you know, uh, affecting, I think, what's going to happen. And then the Directors Guild of America might go on strike. So uh, that's hard for TV series or episodical television. It may affect it. Um, and that good actors usually are in demand. Uh, you know, they just seem to always, people always want to find projects for them. We have an amazing acting base here in Winnipeg. At that, you know, ACTRA, Manitoba, which represents them, unionized and non-unionized. Uh, there are always these large producers and directors that come here are always wild and how talented our local actors are, which means they have to bring less people in from around the world to fill those roles. And that's the way it should be, right? Yeah, I was going to so, ask you both of those about what the local scene is like for, for yep. local talent and then also about the strike. Well, I'll start with the strike. How will that affect what happens here in the city or has it already? If you've got something in the can and it's done, it's great. If you are filming, you can't really change if the you know the, of the of the strike itself. You can't really change the script, uh, I guess, very much. And there's a lot of there's a lot of negotiations in there. So, in TV series, of course, there the changes the character development changes sometimes from day to day, week to week, month to month. So they'd have to have pre-written scripts and they have to keep to those days and those hours, and they wouldn't be able to change anything that wouldn't be permitted. And if the Directors Guild, we have the Directors Guild of Canada here, and we have the Directors Guild of America, they might coincide with a, a, a twin strike. So it's, it's really hard to say. Uh, but streaming video, when you talk about all the audi- new audiences and the way that people consume movies and television entertainment uh, from YouTube all the way up, uh, I, they all want to have a fair pay. And they all want to have, uh, uh, wherever their work's being shown, they want to be reciprocated in the form of payment. So it's, it's a very delicate ba- uh, balance, I think. And hopefully, fingers crossed, that'll all work out and we'll have a continued boomer year. But um, streaming is, is, is challenging because once the content is made, it can leave and go anywhere. And it's hard to track if you're going to get paid for it, right? So it's... it's right. It's, it's very challenging. Yeah, and I appreciate it. Vo- it's like your voice on the radio, right? So when someone tapes it, they can air it anywhere, maybe without your permission, and that's not kosher. So. Well, the only difference is who would want to do that, Kenny, compared oh, to what on. somebody else does. <laughs> but I appreciate Yeah. But, I mean, it's interesting. Because, so basically what I'm hearing is like like anything underway or or, dot, or written or booked yep. is, is okay. It seems like the future yep. projects will be yep. Will be yep. hindered along those lines, and before we get to the talent here in the province, I'll just have two more questions for you. I, I saw Snoop Dogg today, and I, I couldn't run it on my station, but I wanted to. But Snoop Dogg speaks like Snoop Dogg speaks with foul language. So, yeah. but he he hit the point. Like he's like, 
I don't get, somebody has to explain streaming to me. Somebody's getting a billion views, but nobody has getting a million dollars. And he said, you yeah. all have to figure this out. And he goes, that's why a writer right now is striking. Cause he said, in my day, I'd put out a CD nine ninety nine, sell a million copies and I would get my percentage. There's these billions and billions of streams going out and nobody has any money. Where is the money in streaming? Yeah, it, it's challenging. Even as we see comedians, Kevin Hart was just here and everyone had to lock up their phone and put it into a little bag when you came in because the ability to be able to take, steal or share uh, a creative talent is so fast and so easy and you, there's no reciprocation. So that is that very fine balance of what we enjoy and how we consume, right? right. And for people that go less, every, you know, during pre-pandemic, a lot of people I know bought uh, large TVs. So their, their movie theaters are now in their homes and they, they digest and they consume uh, entertainment and media differently, so that is that is it's uh, it's 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 where the future of 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 what writers want they want to be able to have afford payment in regards to their creative on the front end and not worry about how many times it's enjoyed for some of them in the back end and that's a, that's a complex issue so. Well, hopefully, again, fingers crossed that the strike will be settled rather quickly. Yeah. I'll, rem- I'll remind you, all those reality shows came out because they were all unscripted. That was the first writer's strike all of a sudden, right? Alone on Islands and this and that. Right. And, and, and people moving into frat houses and stuff. That was all during big writer's strikes where it's like, what are we going to do? Well, we'll just go unscripted and see how it goes. That just reminded me of a great line from Bill Burr that I can't re- replace on here, too. But what are those called? 18 whatevers in a house and, yep. and then all that yep. thing. So, too. Um, and I yep. always say that's not reality, Kenny. That's not reality. No, no one know, can date 25 people at once and then meet their parents and decide. And I'll be aging myself. But in the days of episodical soap operas, when we had Dallas and all those different yes. ones that you tune in every night, who, who did who to what and when, they kind of replaced it in the new Gen Z, right? It was right. just a very interesting way of... And so in reality, TV is still, you know, Amazing Race. All those ones aren't scripted. They really are not. And they just put it up on camera and people become people and they say what they say. Yeah, I've always uh, said that if there's a chance a shark could get somebody on Survivor, they wouldn't be filming it. So, yeah, but no. anyway, I get it. Last one for you, the talent. I want to touch on that. Not just to the actors, but also just the the producers, the directors, everybody here in Manitoba. Uh, it, it might be, it must be no better time to to get into this industry if somebody was thinking about it as well with with job availability. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, if you want to find out about the film industry, you can visit Film Training Manitoba or get on set Manitoba, the National, Inscre- uh, National Screen Institute. It's a wonderful time to come work in the industry because we're busier than ever. They're good paying jobs. Uh, it takes a little bit to get into the union, but um, the the fact that, that there's so much projects happening, the wait time seems to get less and less because there's work for everybody. And almost everyone that works in film for the visiting productions, the Canadian productions also are making their own projects. So we're very, very lucky that, you know, we've, we've stayed the course here and from the support of government and from the community, the business community and the citizens that allow film and for filmmakers to tell their stories and to support them. It is, it really is a, it's a, it's a, a dream story for Winnipeg. And it's this time we are short in many different departments of crew. So if anyone is interested, there's Actra for Actors, there's IATSE, the International Association of Screen Technicians, and the Directors Guild of Canada, with other people working in the industry. Uh, get on set, Manitoba, you can Google it. That will, it will show you where we're looking for people and what's involved. But it, it's, it's a wonderful time to join an industry if you, um, 
if you don't mind working a 12-hour day and you get your meals and you work five days a week, it's exciting to go from project to project and you can rest up for a while between films and then continue again. And for lots of people that no longer want to work in certain industries but want some excitement, that's the place to be. Yeah, and you know what? It just not to be over dramatic, Kenny, because we're talking about you know movies and stuff. But really, so many people always think about this. There's no better time to actually, if you want to take a leap in your life, now's the time. I totally agree. Or you have a younger person in your life, a friend, a family member that just doesn't want to do what they think they wanted to do, for better words. They went into a career and it wasn't right for them. The film industry is very, very rewarding and it's very satisfying. And while the work is hard, it's, it's, every day is exciting. Every day is exciting. So, and we used to make films only up to you know, October and take the winters off. We film all the way up to Christmas Eve now and we start again in the beginnings of January. We, we have film uh, around the clock every day of the week pretty well throughout the year. So there's all sorts of productions. We have a great a French film community, a great indigenous uh, film community community all telling their stories and they're seen not only on local uh, screens but uh, screens around the world always a pleasure kenny and i really appreciate your time and your insight thanks for doing this all the best thank you yeah all the best to you as well kenny boyce manager film and special events for the city of winnipeg fascinating conversation there and an exciting one really 1999 they did six million in film industry now they do a million a day in our city and our province that's outstanding Longtime local writer and author John Waldman joins me now, who is currently writing for worthpoint.com. We're going to talk memorabilia. John, thanks for joining me. Thanks very much for having me. So you reached out last night and moments after, literally minutes after Connor Bedard, uh, uh, well, Connor Bedard wasn't, but uh, the Chicago Blackhawks won the NHL draft lottery. Mm-hmm. And you had found online a hockey card of Bedard in a, in a Blackhawks uniform up for sale which he hasn't even been drafted there by and, and made the point, And I wanted to have you on about that to be aware of fakes. Tell us about it. So, yeah, so this, I mean, it's not an, unfortunately an uncommon practice these days, but um, essentially what's uh, what we find every so often, especially when there's a player of as much promise or as much ballyhoo as a Bedard or a Connor McDavid, um, you get people wanting to cash in as quickly as possible. Um, and the result is you get, um, basically fraudulent items that go up on the likes of eBay um, or Facebook Marketplace, etc. And you're trying to basically lure in the people who are a little bit more uneducated on what is an actual licensed, fully legitimate item versus what is something that, uh, for lack of a better term, is created in somebody's basement. Yeah, and so along those lines, let people know what to look for and, and how to know. And off the top of my head, I would think that a guy who hasn't even been drafted by an organization yet that would be pretty obvious that it would be a fake. But but how do we know and how, what are things to look for? Um, generally speaking, especially when you're looking at autographs, um, you want to be you do want to be looking for that certification. There's a number of organizations that do uh, certifications for her autographs, be it the Frozen Ponds, the James Spence, uh, the Frameworks, et cetera, that um, have contracts with players to be signing these items. Um, but the other pieces that you want to be looking for, for when you're looking at memorabilia, if you're looking at a jersey, if you're looking at um, if you're looking at cards, if you're looking at 
photos, et cetera, you want to, there's a certain little bit of logic that comes into it. Um, so, for example, when you're seeing a photo of Conor Bedard wearing a Blackhawks jersey, he, that has not been done yet. Obviously, he's not um, part of the team, uh, so that's a Photoshop job. Uh, other cases, you want to be looking for the licensed manufacturers, the companies that you that people are well aware of in the industry. So the Upper Deck Authenticators, um, the Fanatics, etc., who have the agreements with the uh, with the league or with the individual player themselves, so that you know that what is coming is legit. Um, the other thing to do is, and I and I will forever suggest this, is get involved in the collecting communities. Winnipeg is very fortunate to have a lot of individuals and a lot of shops and a lot of experts that will go online, go create Facebook groups, etc., and they'll always be able to tap you to give you the best advice possible. Along those lines, John, it just makes me feel bad. Like, even my own stepson has a Bedard Regina Pats card, and he goes and buys other cards, and he wants a certain one. And, like, uh, I I don't want to say there's no value to him. Like, he loves collecting them and all that. But you can tell, like, the you know, what's fake, what's not. And, you you know, some people are taking advantage of kids. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate. And, and it's, it's taking advantage of kids and it's taking advantage of the unknowing collector. And a lot of this goes back to when Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin came into the league um, in around 2005. There was a lot of hype, obviously, for those uh, players as the new as the players that were going to rescue the NHL from the and the collectibles market from uh, what had been a major downturn in over the previous decade. Um, and then all of a sudden you have these wonder kids that are coming in that are going to be changing every changing the game as it were so the the biggest thing is that yeah they were they try to take advantage of kids they try to take the advantage of the unknown community and someone's going to go in and think that especially um now where you've got cards that are selling on at, at auction for you know into the seven figures someone's going to go in and think that okay i'm going to be able to see you have a gold mine in about 10 years or so but it is that education piece everybody has you really do have to do your your part in doing your research. So for myself, working at WorthPoint as I do, it is important for me to be able to provide that information to collectors and provide that honest look. And thankfully, when you look at what is out there on online with the number of resources that are available, this isn't you know back in like it wasn't in the 1990s where you had back and a couple other publications that were the authority on it. Now you have so many resources that you can go to instantly. Yeah, for sure. And WorthPoint.com is where people can get more information, but also to check things and and reach out. Absolutely. Awesome. I appreciate it, John. All the best, and thanks for the heads up. For sure. Thank you. John Waldman, a sports memorabilia writer for WorthPoint.com and a longtime local author. Just to keep your eye out, uh, man, it didn't take long, right? There was already a fake online yesterday, so I appreciate John reaching out. 